in energy, you have to be very policy sensitive because everything depends on the tariffs that you pay, the incentives and the penalties that are out there if you do different things. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, Upwest, and Hippo Insurance. Welcome to episode 111, and we have David Arfin, the co-founder and CEO of Nine.Energy, and previously the VP of Strategy and Customer Financing of SolarCity. David is the co-founder and CEO of Nine.Energy in New York, co-founded SolarVento in Mexico, and Enerpact in France. He served as special advisor to the U.S. Department of Energy on solar finance issues and was VP Strategy and Customer Financing for SolarCity, where he invented SolarLease, the game-changing solar financing program that enabled over 400,000 homeowners, commercial, and government customers to adopt solar power. David holds an MBA from Stanford University Graduate School of Business. David Arfin, thank you so much for being on my show, 20 Minute Leaders. My pleasure. Good to be here. I can't wait. Wherever here is. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, where are you? Because this is not a virtual background. A lot of people have this as a virtual background, but you are actually there. I am uh, uh, right now staying in Potomac, Maryland, which is a suburb of D.C. I was actually born in Potomac, Maryland, so it's quite No fun. kidding. Yes. So we, we are very close to Great Falls Park, which is just, it's a national treasure as our all of our national parks. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, I think sure. it's very, it, it makes a lot of sense that this is your background, given that you're an expert in renewable energy and, and working in, you know, high grown com- in fast growing companies that are making a real difference in, in the world. Uh, you know, very quick background, Stanford MBA in the graduate school uh, of business. Moving on, you held numerous executive positions, uh, Solar City Nine Dot. Uh, so many others that I missed along the way, but I'd love to hear a little bit about you from your journey going into this space. Terrific. So um, I'd say um, the journey, I can't say, gee, when I was a business school student or an undergraduate, this is what I was wanted to do in my life. Each, each thing is a response to the needs, opportunities, right. uh, and creativity uh, that I can bring to it. Uh, so I started life as a uh, professional life as a community organizer uh, in the Jewish community in Los Angeles, uh, working for the JCRC, which brought in some values that I care deeply about. Um, I worked in Washington, D.C. As, as a Hill staffer and as an education lobbyist. Then I went to business school, got an entrepreneurial bug, uh, started a few companies, and then ended up um, in 2006 seeing the Al Gore movie, Inconvenient Truth. And that was eye-opening, uh, okay. both from the, the issues around climate change, as well as kind of the business opportunities to create some interesting sustainable businesses. So by a little work and a bunch of discussions and happenstance, I came up with a pretty good idea uh, uh, together with some other people to do a solar leasing program. So instead of somebody having to make a massive investment on having to buy something that they've never bought before, 
um, and they think it's a good idea, but you know it's a it's a hard decision to make. Instead, change the ownership model, work with some of the incentives that are out there, and uh, and create something new. And I I did that, and uh, I have been fortunate to be able to kind of take that idea and ones that spun off of it and spend the last. I don't know, 14 years working in uh, energy with fantastic people. Unbelievable. And, you know, the, one of the things that have always intrigued me as an entrepreneur, I'm thinking about solar and I'm thinking about this transition of how do you get, you know, even when the technology matures, how do you get people to buy into this, the average citizen? And I think a lot of it ties back to the way people manage their money and, and, and how they think about expenses and rewards, because essentially the cell, if, I'm, if I understand it correctly, of let's say solar panels on the roof, the cell is you're going to pay a lot of money now, you're going to... Yeah return the money slowly and within a few years they're going to reach a break even point and then you're going to start saving money but it's a very different thing than I'm, you're not saying here i'm going to give you cash you're saying you're going to lose less right it's a different mindset it's a different yeah. sound yeah and and you know a, a lot of risk uh and uh a lot of what i think about is risk and reward Right. And kind of behavioral economics. Yes. So if you basically take, you know, we all have these little things here, right? Yep. These, uh, uh, these cell phones. And we know we are going to be subscribing to expensive services the rest of our lives. Yep. And if somebody came up to us and said, gee, wouldn't it be nice if you just put up $30,000 and we will, that's going to prepay the rest of your life of cell phones. You may say, that's a terrific idea. But instead, I'd rather spend $1,000 a year on it over the next 40 years, hopefully, <laughs> maybe 50 if I'm pushing it. Um, but whatever that, whatever that period is, I didn't. So the, the telecom industry built out the infrastructure and made a compelling proposition to customers to pay by the month, to pay by the day, to pay, you know, in, in autos, it's pay by the mile. Um, and that's basically what, what, how you get uh, new technologies adopted faster. You know, like the old Xerox machine, it's hard to sell it for, for $5,000 to an office. Sell it for 10 cents a copy? Go ahead, all day long. Right, okay, that's fascinating. But so nevertheless, you're, you become, you watch the Al Gore movie. Is that really the turning point for you when you realize that there's a huge problem in the world and then you decide to spend the next 14 years working on these things? Well, I kind of knew there was a problem in the world. I just didn't know how I connected to it. And, and so okay. since then, you, you've helped all these positions. When did you join SolarCity as, as vice president? I joined SolarCity in the very early days in um, May of 2007. Wow. And, and so I had the idea of a solar leasing product. Um, you know, Lyndon Rive and Peter Rive, the co-founders of SolarCity, instantly got why financing was important. And perhaps just as important, Elon Musk understood that customer financing was important. So, you know, they basically said, ah, that's the idea that we need to be able to go from being a small company to being a large company to being a massive company that ended up getting 35% market share in the United States, which is just wow. unheard of. Unbelievable. So, so you... Yeah. So, so essentially, as part of, of Solar City, talk to me a little bit about this journey because you're really in, in you have the privilege of being in, in, in the, as a pioneer 
in this realm of, of transitioning a country and going solar and seeing this technology develop and seeing how customers interact with it. So, and you're actually working on strategy, right, within Solar City. So, yeah. how do you work on strategy in the context of renewable energy? Wow. Well, <laughs> you start by understanding what the customers want and where, where markets are. Uh, in energy, you have to be very policy sensitive because everything depends on the tariffs that you pay, the incentives and the penalties that are out there if you do different things. So you have to understand and it's a very interdisciplinary area, which is why I like it. So, you know, some of my time I get to be, you know, what is strategy? It's a combination of economics, of consumer behavior, uh, risk and psychology, finance, uh, energy, hardware devices, and accounting, <laughs> uh, and policy. And I'm not an expert at any one of those things, but I have enough experience and kind of just see uh, or observe things in the world where you can combine those. And if you do that, you can come up with some interesting solutions. And what I loved about Solar City was they let me create this solution, encouraged me to create it, put their muscle behind it. It changed the organization, it changed the industry. Um, and that was a commitment from leadership uh, and Lyndon Rive in particular to uh, understand uh, that we needed to sell things differently. We needed to approach the consumer differently. Uh, and it was a really interdisciplinary approach and it, it was a big risk. Uh, I thought it was um, obvious that it would work. And there were months and months that was hard to do. And in particular, when we started this, remember I said we joined in 2000 and I joined Solar City right as they had started in 2007. Uh, that was right before the big crash of 2008. So to go to the Wall Street banks and to say, we'd like you to buy a portfolio of 5,000 rooftop solar systems during the midst of a housing crisis that, uh, uh, that we have never seen before. And the security on this is going to be a little less than you would get on a second mortgage. You know, we had a lot of doors slammed in our face, but we had good people um, uh, on our team and very good uh, people uh, on the Morgan Stanley team at the time. And we were able to get deals done. And that set a tra trajectory for, uh, uh, for me, for the business uh, and for the industry. Unbelievable. And in the, in th through Solar City, did you ever cross paths also with Elon and get to and get to hear a little bit about his his perspective and, and how he saw how how he sees the industry? Uh, I did. Uh, and uh, Elon is a very bright guy, uh, much more introverted than uh, kind of his public persona on Twitter, et cetera. Twitter, seems, I was just about to, to say. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really an engineer. <laughs> right. uh, and he sees what is possible and then doesn't understand why you go from um, what is possible to why can't you do it tomorrow? <laughs> Let's get this thing out there. Let's push. Uh, he Because he started at PayPal, he actually had a natural... Um, uh, let's just say dislike or suspicion of banks. Uh, he would, he said, you know, basically you're going to go on, go to banks. You're going to explain this idea. You're going to explain to them how they can make a lot of money and they're not going to know what to do with this, or they're going to try to steal your idea. So right. he, he's a, you know, incredibly bright guy. And he was very supportive of kind of helping to steer the ship towards a, a 
mass customer experience. He just wants everything done really quickly, <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. And and yesterday, and, and as a result of his management style, he gets a lot out of people. And, uh, you know, everybody who's worked in an organization uh, for him for a period of time will tell you that, um, you know, they contributed. Uh, if they didn't contribute, they were out. And and they gave a lot of themselves. And that's, you know, call that a management um, um, bonus or a management characteristic. Uh you work really hard. I mean, I think at the end, uh, you know, a lot of people are working on ventures and I see a lot of, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking constantly about things that I want to do later on as a entrepreneur myself. That's part yeah. of the motivation for, for speaking to you here and getting this inspiration. At the end, you're talking about, when you're talking about changing the world and actually changing the world, not writing that on a slide deck and saying, I'm going to revolutionize X, Y, Z, but actually going and doing it. You know, I think that at the end, you can forgive a little bit of, of, of and obviously I didn't experience this myself, <laughs> but you can forgive a little bit of hard work and a little bit of pushing if you, and, and the results are showing. But David, you know, I'm talking to you now as a young entrepreneur, I'm going to go on my own path. I'm going to have to make some uh, difficult decisions on what I work on, how I work on it and with who. And I'd love to get, you know, a little bit of insight into this world of renewable energy, which you're an expert on by now. What, what, are, some, what are some of the things that are happening around the world in this industry that I should be aware of? Because honestly, it's not the sexiest thing in the hallways of Stanford right now, and probably not in a lot of places in the world. So, so yeah. let's talk about renewable energy. Right. So um, there's so many different ways to uh, start to answer that question. Good. I'm we sitting... have about eight, seven minutes, so we can talk. About <laughs> so we'll solve we'll solve it by then. Not a problem. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of just separate kind of the the grid connected world where we can improve our energy sources. Okay. And the off grid world, and there are call it two billion people out there in the world today without reliable access to electricity. So the problem without electricity without reliable access. Okay. Without reliable access to electricity. So the, and some without electricity at all. Yeah. But but it's also the reliability. If you have electricity 3 or 4 hours a day, that's a lot better than nothing. But uh you still, you know, have uh, have, have other needs. So so I would kind of start with the ability to um uh, look at the world that is what we call off-grid or semi-off-grid and look at what it is that can be done to bring electricity and literally light to those people. And that's, you know, maybe 250 million people in India, uh, throughout Latin America uh, and in Africa. And their systems are going to be very different. They don't have all the appliances because they don't have electricity, obviously. So, you know, bringing in a light, having them also on a pay-as-you-go system, I think is really terrific and important. And whether that's the lights for their house or their their uh, in the village, uh, whether it's a light for their uh, working place, whether it's refrigeration, uh, being able to charge their their uh, cell phones. So let's that's kind of is the yeah, that's one big area. So we have so we have electricity in, in many places around the world, and we have these systems. Is the problem? I, I want to know whether it's a chicken and the egg problem. Do we have the technology and we just have to spend money to scale it and implement it there or do we or are we looking for 
more financially viable solutions, more technologically savvy solutions to make it more efficient. And because we don't have them yet, that's why we don't have the electricity there. Which one is it? Um, so for solar, for wind, uh, for biogas, we have the technology today that is plenty good to be able to make us much, much more energy independent. We still have to evolve. We still have to improve. We still have to make inverters better. We have to capture more hours of the of, of, of sunlight in different ways uh, per square foot that you're using. But the technology is there. Um, I think a second part of energy is storing it. So you can, you know, have windmills tilt, you know, uh, uh, um, wind turbines going all night long uh, offshore or in the Midwest, but that's not where the demand is. That's not where the load is. So you have to be able to bring that somewhere. And it's really good to have a, you need storage and storage is coming. It's here. It's, but the prices have to come down. And just like in solar panels, solar panels cost 10% of what they did when I started, you know, uh, uh, over a decade ago. They're 10% now. And we're going to get the same thing with storage and we're going to get other systems. So I think, you know, look, I'm a MBA. I'm not technical. Um, I wish I could develop the next generation of solar panel or a chemical reaction that that, that brings more energy better, faster. That's not me. That's a lot of smart people using AI or or, uh, other ways to invent the technologies and improve the technologies. I look at the world from uh, how do you get people to adopt? What's the business model that you can look at that says, I can get the, on the one hand, the end user to adopt, and on the other hand, somebody to underwrite the risk of that technology will work and that person will pay for it. No, but you know, but, but David, still, why, why are there 2 billion people without electricity? If we have solar, wind, water, we have all these, well, we have all these possibilities. Why aren't we just spending the billions necessary? And, you know, we are spending them on, on different things, but why, why are we not spending them on, on providing electricity? What are we waiting for? Is this a policy issue? You know, a, a governmental bureaucracy issue? Is this a technology issue? I say it is 90% government uh, bureaucracy policy, you know, not sending the grid into uh, areas that need the grid. Uh, and if you go to these remote areas that have democracies, for example, uh, you will often hear, yes, the power grid is coming. Vote for me. I will get power to you. I will get electricity to you. Wow. And every few years when the election comes up, the same types of promises are made. But then there's not the follow through. There's a technical challenge, which is you have to run wires and you have to build infrastructure. And and com- and, and countries can do that. And states or provinces uh, can do that. Uh, but it requires uh, a level of discipline uh, and working through things. Um, and um, um, it's incredibly slow. I mean, if you look at America, we didn't have much electricity 100 years ago. Uh, you know, we built up the greatest grid in the world, uh, and that was done largely because of uh, policies and government support. And and um, uh, I'm not saying that we're in, in the same place in these rural areas, uh, but there's so much more that can be done. And I think business model uh, evolution is a part of what that is. Um, right. So. Makes a lot of sense. David, after so many years in this industry, what are you excited about today? Tomorrow morning, what are you going to be working on that really excites you? New business models that basically take 
policies, economics, uh, incentives, uh, customer behavioral things. We're working on some really interesting things in New York City now. Uh, community energy uh, and Nine Dot Energy is 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 leading the way, and hopefully, uh, come September, we will bring on. Um, a seven and a half megawatt system, which will bring 60 million kilowatt hours a year onto the grid for the next 25 years. And our users will be all over New York City and it's going to support the grid in unique ways. So um, I'm excited about, I'm excited, and I'm also excited about more solar, uh, more electric vehicles, uh, uh, mopeds, um, like, um, like, uh, uh, electric mopeds like the Revel system, which is just amazing. Okay. Uh, uh, I love uh, scooters and docking stations like the one yeah. Swift Mile makes. Yeah. I, it's just, it's just, it's just, there, there, there's so much cool stuff out there. Uh, and, you know, in this COVID area, we kind of see a lot of, um, there's a lot of problems and, and life is going to change. And one of the things, things might change is how we use our vehicles and what types of vehicles we use, and sure. what streets are like, yes. and, how much of, and how much of our land we end up using to park cars and to move cars. You know, opposed to, one, one of the most difficult things, and I'm looking at television, you know, for, I'm, I'm riding here my bike in Palo Alto, and it's beautiful. There's a bike lane everywhere. It's so wide and, and wonderful. I go to Tel Aviv Yafo, and we have hundreds of scooters waiting to be ridden, and yeah. it's I'm scared to death. I want to ride a scooter. I want to ride my bike in Tel Aviv, but I can't. But I, I, I do want to ask, though, so, you know, we're both a part of J Ventures, and, and so we're looking at a bunch of uh, early-stage companies. Are we seeing an increase in companies that are dealing with these problems, or, or, or is there a shortage of, of, a, of good talent that is trying to work with electricity, with mobility, with, with renewable energy? Um, there's a lot of talent coming in. There's a lot of talent in the field. Uh, the key thing and the signals are going to be how will uh, investors uh, look at these opportunities. Right. And I think, you know, we have seen a lot of excitement on on, on vehicles, on Revel, which, which, which I mentioned, the scooter craze when happened, you know, it was a bubble uh, from a valuation side, but it also proved the point uh, yeah. and then created the opportunities for things like these docking stations or for a recharging economy. Sure. So, um, you know, there will be uh, electric vehicle, uh, not just electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, uh, yeah. car, cars that we could think of, truck lines that go around uh, on, on various routes and that can draft behind each other in very short separation and save on fuel costs. Um, sure. From a water, it's, and it's not just uh, it's not just electricity. It's also uh, on the water side and, and and other resources that actually consume a ton of electricity. Um, uh, but there's 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 opportunities. Uh, hopefully, the venture crowd and the venture world and 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 they uh, have a lot of mind think in the um, in the venture world that they follow each other. And when the word gets out that clean tech is great, like it was in the late Thoughts, then there was a lot of investment, and then all of a sudden the word got out. It's tough. We have to. We don't know. We don't know enough. So I think that's going to happen. What I'm really excited about now is uh, kind of the combination of very large commitments by companies to lower their carbon footprint, and things that would have taken four years to get through committees and processes to do a 
power purchase agreement for a solar farm or whatever. Now, the whoever runs energy there, if they could show that it's a, it's a fair deal, a good deal, they're saving on carbon and they're saving on money, they can get those through. And that combined with things like the Gates Foundation and, and Breakthrough Energy and other major foundations, uh, you know, the Rockefeller family, uh, folks who are saying, you know, what got us here won't get us there. Uh, and where we are, we're heading from a climate side is, 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 is disastrous. Uh, we know this. Uh, and, uh, but there's a lot of fun solutions out there. And whether you're high, high tech yeah. and, can, and, and can develop something big or figure out a better model for the scooters, how to move the scooters, how to build lanes for the scooters, how to signal. The one thing I'd love to throw out there for the world that we need desperately is a cheap, um, dispensable or disposable helmet that comes with every scooter ride and every little bike rental in in the city uh, that, that that happens because people like you, like me, go on Tel Aviv. Uh, we go on these scooters and uh, and we are less protected than we know we should be. I completely agree, David. I need three words that you would use to describe yourself. Three words to describe myself. Um, uh, adventurous. I love new adventures. It's why I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah. and it's why I, I get to live in different parts of the world. Um, it, this is a hyphenated word. Uh, Values-driven. Um, I do things that uh, I are consistent with the values and work with people who are consistent with the values that I hold. And... Um, and indomitable. I, I, I <laughs> you may not know that word. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know the word in Hebrew. But indomitable is you just. You, it's what entrepreneurs need to be. They don't see uh, blockades <laughs> as something that is insurmountable. You you keep going. You keep working. You try this way. You try that way. And uh, my friend Rich Kelly uh, 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 gave me that. Uh, uh that name and uh i like indomitable so i love it there we go <laughs> i love it david thank you very much thank you for the inspiration thank you for the Rabah, michael this is a, a, a pleasure Allah kefak. yeah bye bye <laughs> bye bye